choose life, choose a sport, choose a drop zone, choose a start time, choose a fucking big jump plane, choose turbine engines, speed, unlimited altitude, and endless horizons. Choose height, no low turns, and travel insurance. Choose jump tickets, choose tiny action cameras, choose your mates, choose a rig and matching helmet, choose swoop shorts and a range of fucking fabrics, choose 120 vertical speed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch, watching debriefs, spirit-saving slow-mos, smashing beers after last load. Choose standing on the podium at the end of it all. Choose a wing you'll love every time. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you fly NZ Aerosports? Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe... There's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports, fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust, like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy, specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So the equipment is top of the line kick-ass stuff as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. Hell, they've even got a special offer for all you Lunatic listeners out there. Just head to pages.nzaerosports.com forward slash into the void. That's pages.nzaerosports.com forward slash into the void and follow the instructions to register a website account with them. You'll score a discount voucher with 20 bucks towards any purchase over $200. I mean, come on. You know you're going to shop with NZ Aerosports, so grab a little extra cash towards that buy and enjoy. The offer is good until the 31st of December, and the voucher is good for three months, so go register now. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah. 
coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. Here to actually talk about some funny stuff and some serious stuff as well. Um, back visiting with me again, so tell me, who the fuck are you? And <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> fuck you, Dan. You know that by now who I am. <laughs> and everybody now definitely knows who you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm Olga, and I'm a professional skydiver. You are? I, I am. You are Olga, the professional skydiver. You are also a swooper. With uh, Icarus, yes? Yes, it is. Very yeah. cool. It's true. And I've got an Icarus athlete in the can. That's very cool. I'm really excited to talk about that as well. Awesome, and we absolutely will. So um, just to give us a brief recap for those that haven't listened to your previous episodes, um, give me the, the super quick rundown of your uh, beginnings in the sport and how you got to where you are now. So I did my first skydive, well, a parachute jump 13 years ago, and it was, it was around canopy, it went around parachute in the military. And uh, since then, I understood that I really do want to skydive and proceed skydive as a career. I don't know why, like from the first jump, I realized that I really, that's what I want to do. And it took me quite a few years um, to build a number to become, to get my tandem rating sure. and FF rating. But from the very first jump I did, I knew that that's what I'm going to do as a profession. I don't know why. And um, the first FF jump during the course when I was getting my um, skydiving license, I saw the guy flying in front of me with a, you know, very fast something little parachute. Sure. And I'm like, oh, I want to do this. And that's how I got hooked. And my dream was to become a canopy pilot. And okay. since then, I was just like looking, you know, working on it, building my jump numbers, getting better and better. And um, here I am now. <laughs> nice, nice. So um, round about how many jumps do you have now? Um, it's actually going to be my 10,000 jump very soon. I think it's 9,800 something. So it's pretty co- pretty close to 10,000. Nice, nice. Yeah. And almost welcome to the club. That's very cool. Yeah. Fuck, I, I might have to dust off the rig and come jump on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely should join me All on right. that one. I will definitely push you to be on the on the Well, 10,000 now. It used to be 1,000 was an iconic number, yeah. but now it seems to be the 10,000 mark. I mean, most of us have been in the sport for a good chunk of time now. And Man, when I started to skydive, I looked at people with 100 jumps as a sky god. Sure. Because in my country, it was like 100. It's, it's a lot of jumps you yeah. have to do. And uh, it felt like that. Nowadays, you look like 100 jumps is, oh, yeah. You like in the beginning of your skydiving career, yeah. like in back in back in the days, one hundred jumps was like fuck. Oh yeah. Man. Well, we just had a mutual friend uh, do his ten thousandth, uh, Abdubari. Oh yeah, and <laughs> was a he did that in I mean how many years? Like a short amount a of very time. Very short amount. Of like less than ten years. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, holy shit. But that's the beauty of nowadays. Like you have um, more um, possibilities to skydive. You know, like when you skydive in post-Soviet Union countries like <laughs> right. Belarus. You have to drive 500 kilometers every weekend to do a couple of skydives, and sure. the weather is shit mostly. Yeah? Sure. So you cannot build 1,000 skydives a year. Right. Well, nowadays I'm doing about 1,200. Well, uh, pre-corona times, I was doing like <laughs> right, about right. uh, 1,200 jumps a year, sure. which you can build the numbers very quick. It adds up fast, for yeah, sure. It is fast. So we were going to specifically talk about, pre-podcast, we we were uh, wanting to discuss uh, injuries in the sport, um, specifically in skydiving, and uh, especially over a long career, how your mentality changes about injuries. Um, and you, at the beginning of the year, your uh, career in square canopies, you struggled um, with landing and stuff yeah. like that. And so a lot of minor injuries there, um, which obviously 
hopefully um, you're going to overcome those because there's nothing serious going on. But you've done a, quite a transition over your professional career because you've had some substantial injuries, uh, some minor ones and some big ones, and you've really kind of mentally progressed into how you should really kind of view those. There's a lot of people that listen, I know, that don't have a whole lot of time in the sport, maybe don't have uh, any opportunity to have seen or dealt with uh, injuries and yeah. coming back and how to deal with them. So that's yeah. kind of what I want to talk about. Okay, cool. Um, so you're... I've had plenty. <laughs> you yeah. <know> that. <laughs> um, what, was the, what was the first big injury you dealt with and what were the circumstances and how it happen? So to start with, I'm naturally very, very clumsy and like <laughs> so, <laughs> to me. <laughs> so juggling kettlebells is a great idea. I know. That's my new passion, man. I uh, Every time I do that, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to drop it on my foot and I'm going to break it at yeah. some point. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm getting better, I'm you know. <laughs> buy you some steel-toed shoes for your birthday. <laughs> yeah, please. And helmet. Mm. <laughs> Another one. So I was very clumsy and I was struggling with landings a lot. Um, part of it, you know, I don't have a depth procession. So, I, I mean, I really hard hardly understand how far I am from the object. So <laughs> it doesn't really help skydiving career. No. So I had a few crashes, like a lot of crashes, but I've, I've been always kind of like strong. My body was strong. So it helped me a lot not to get uh, like a big injuries in the beginning of my skydiving career. And also, you know, I've been growing up on the streets, on the, in the forest. I wasn't sitting and playing computer games. Yeah. So mm. like... When you fall on the street and your knees are bleeding, it's not like you're going to go and cry. You just get up, you, you know, you brush this blood or you wash your knee and you're like, oh, how can, how fast I can get back into the game, you sure, know? Sure, sure. So that's probably the mentality that helped me uh, not to, you know, like, oh my God, I twisted my ankle. I'd be like, oh, I twisted my ankle. Okay, cool. Where is the ice? Where is the ankle brace? Can I sure. go back to jumping? But I would say like, I didn't have any like huge, huge uh, very serious injuries until I started to to swoop. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, because then uh, all this um, depth perception and my bad landings uh, came into the <laughs> into the play. And yeah, it was all important shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, so I think like the, the first like very very big um, very serious injury is was. Uh, when I downsized and I couldn't understand how low I am from the ground and I smashed into the ground and collapsed my lung. And you remember that pretty well. I, I do. Think, I do. After the morphine, I think you were the first person I saw in a hospital. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Myself and then uh, uh, no, me and me, Nomers, Nomers came to visit you yeah, quite a few times. Yeah. Well, so to go all the way back, you said that um, you were always a bit clumsy and, and uh, you grew up tougher than a lot of people uh, normally would. Uh, do you think that's one of the reasons that you have tried to say, mentally downplay your injuries, even if it's a severe one, uh, because, and we'll talk about this particular injury, was a serious injury. You know, I mean, uh, on that particular jump, I think the appearance from the outside um, appeared to your friends as though um, we knew how serious that landing was, but you didn't. Like all of us were like, she was literally a second away from dead if you had planed out any fucking lower yeah. um, and it never really seemed to to click with you and that's one of the reasons that Nomers and I got so mad at you yeah I remember that yeah we got really mad in fact I believe we practically made you cry in the hospital because we were so upset <laughs> because um, I was 
thinking about the color, but you yes, can't be. Yes, <laughs> because you had your fucking phone out and you were trying to pick the colors for your downsized canopy, a couple of sizes smaller than the one you just wrapped in on. But that's the thing. I think, yeah, there is kind of a mentality. Like when you grow up not locked in a room with a computer games, when you grow up in the streets and you used to fall and, you know, you used to that something hurts, something, you know, like something scratched, you get up and get back in the game. I think, uh, like, my mentality was always like this. I would listen to the medical opinion of the doctor. I divide it by two, and then I'll listen to my body and see, like, okay, is it really that bad? Because, like, being in being a skydiver and jumping out of the plane changes a lot of um, uh, your mentality a lot, right? Because sure. you at least, things you cannot do, you at least doubt them, right? You at least, like, say, oh, am I really fucked up? Or <laughs> Sure. Well, the, the mentality in regard to the level of the injury, I think, is different than how you got injured. So uh, my question is more like I, I remember um, as I started to get a little bit older and, and uh, I was a roughhousing kid as well. I didn't grow up with the Internet. We were outside doing yeah. fucked up shit and jumping bicycles. And I've, you know, I fucked myself up quite a lot, but I hadn't broken any bones until my mid 20s mm-hmm. um, and hadn't had anything that could have been considered a really close call until then. Uh, but when when I finally did really hurt myself, I remember going, oh, okay, this is not, you know, this isn't something I can, I can walk off the pain. Um, and I, I wondered where it was, um, where you were mentally in that first serious injury in that, that mental, I can just walk this off. It's not that big a deal. I don't think I've ever really um, take my injury serious. And <laughs> seriously, and uh, I'm I'm learning now. I'm I'm definitely learning to respect my body more because before it would be like, okay, I'm fucked. Uh, tell me how am I, am I gonna survive? Yeah, okay. How long will it take for me to get back into the game? And normally, I would never stay as long as I would say on the ground, right? Like mm. if doctor would tell me, okay, you cannot jump for two months, I'll be like, okay, one month, sure. and then I'll just look to my body and listen to it and try to evaluate how I feel. Like when I collapsed my lung and I was in the hospital, yes, first first week sucked because I had a drain between my <laughs> between my ribs and I sure. had to walk with this sure. big, huge thingy that was sucking the air out of it, right? Yeah. So it was sucks. But like w- once I got out of the hospital and I start, like I was going on the long walks right. just to test my lung, you know, like to test how do I feel when I do a little bit faster, can I jog? And the first week, like, trying jogging, it was terrible because you cannot really breathe. Sure. So you're like, yeah, fuck, I'm not ready for skydiving, right? Obviously, like, it's it's not <laughs> skydiving-friendly <Sure. laughs> body yet. But um, uh, once I start feeling better, then I realize that it's not going to take as long as doctors say because, you know, they're always very careful. So they tell you, they're like, okay, that's a day when a normal human can probably recover 100%, but sure. have you seen any skydivers 100% healthy? No, I haven't no. been 100% Exactly. I, I mean, people taping. I remember when I broke my, uh, dislocated my finger. The on crooked this. one? <laughs> yes, that's crooked yeah. one. Yeah, the crooked one. Uh, on my famous blind man <laughs> into the windsock lensing. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I was, uh, yeah, it was Mike actually. He said like, fuck it, uh, you should just tape it. Sure. They well, all around. So I think there's a big difference, though, between um, an injury 
and a potentially life-threatening event. So, like, um, I was just as big an idiot in regard to some of the injuries that I've had in skydiving. I had a, um, a jump, or pardon me, an injury that was not related directly to a skydive. I mean, it kind of was because it was a repetitive injury uh, with my shoulder. Uh, but then I had um, a slip and fall on the ground and actually tore the tendons and had to have surgery. Um, and the doctors, of course, gave me the, I think it's the two or three month standard answer. Yeah. But I had gotten a job offer uh, from Skydive Cross Keys um, that started in three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, I babied the shit out of my shoulder as much as I possibly could. And then I went and took the job and jumped until I ended up having to have surgery again. But that's different than, a, okay, I ended up, you know, almost in the ICU in the hospital for a good chunk of time. I, I definitely get you pushing the injury side of things. Well, I guess what I'm getting at more is um, what did you think about how you injured yourself? And did you go back into jumping with a different level of respect for how really bad it can get? Oh, 100%, 100%. Because it was a few, uh, it was the first huge impact, you know? I've never seen ground that fucking close and, mm. and coming to me so fast. Mm. And I never thought that our body can actually bounce off the ground <laughs> to another three meters or five meters up and oh, then yeah. just land, you know? Um, and uh, of course, it gave me a, a, another perspective of how dangerous the downsizing itself and that's why like right now when i understand in the era of small little wings and everyone want to be cool you know like does this wing really small wing makes your balls looks bigger not really so like whenever my student asks me when can i downsize i ask them like why like why would you because and before i was downsizing for only one reason because i wanted to get to where i am now as soon as possible sure and um Obviously, after that, I was going back and uh, trying to, you know, just debrief this jump. What did I do wrong? How did I not understand? Why didn't I do, like, why didn't I pull toggles and, you know, slow down earlier? And I realized that, yeah, I didn't understand how high I am, how low I am, sure. actually. So, obviously, after I came back, I came back with a fear to go back into the sky and go back into the... And everyone was saying that I should upsize, but I... Didn't think so. Already ordered the smaller parachute, had you? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So downsizing wasn't really an option. And but uh, to be honest, it wasn't like unsafe. It was unsafe from the mistakes that I did, not recognizing that I am low and not going on the toggles early enough. But from all the other perspectives, I wasn't unsafe. It was sure. the only one time when I actually got it low. Well, and- that's the thing, right? So you were current enough that flying that canopy on its own was not unsafe if you're doing it in a relatively mellow manner. Exactly. Um, it was how you were flying the canopy that was putting you at risk, for exactly. sure. Exactly. And you come back to skydiving after the uh, after having an injury, obviously you're going to be scared. Sure. If you, even if you twisted your ankle or whatsoever, you're going to be very precocious next time. You're going to be kind of... Um, I'm, I'm going to land on this foot and maybe, you know, slide down and maybe sit down instead of standing up and running running your landing. Sure. Uh, so, like, when I came back, obviously I was like, oh, fuck, maybe I should, like, you know, pop up my altitude, like, 30 feet higher, which I actually did mm. because I, I never cared, like, if I'm going to plane out high in the beginning as long as it's safe, right? Sure. And um, so I did, but I think the ability... 
to develop the ability of tell your fear to shut up, it's very important in sure skydiving as well. Sure it is. Of course well, it is. Because you're going to have fear. You're going to be afraid, especially after the injury. I understand all the people that I... Yeah, like a few days ago, my uh, one of uh, skydivers, the beginners, she came to me and she said like, hey, I was flying this canopy close to the ground and about 50 feet, my canopy partly collapsed. Mm -hmm. And then it opened again, but I was so scared that I, I landed and it was very turbulent. It was like hot. And she's like, well, I, I'm afraid. What do I do now? And what, what advice can you give to a person who's scared to fly their own canopy? You cannot say, hey, don't worry. It's never going to happen again because you don't know. It might happen again tomorrow. So you go like, okay, just fly. It might happen on the next load. Exactly. So you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, it's skydiving. We cannot uh, we cannot predict everything that can happen, even sure. if you're very careful and you take care of your gear and you're very safe and you do this and that. Sometimes shit happens, sure. right? And you have to understand, you pick this sport and this sport as an extreme sport that has a room for just unpredictable things to happen and sure. can cause Well, you. I mean, I don't think... Uh, I don't think I've heard of or dealt with or seen a single serious injury or fatality that didn't fall clearly into a category, right? I mean, people say it was, you know, this was, it was such a bizarre once in a lifetime thing, but most of them aren't. Most of them are, you know, a series of things happened or something similar to something else happened. There's very few times that there's an injury or um, a fatality in skydiving that I've heard of that didn't at least fit somewhere into a category of this happened or that happened or, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very rare that something completely off the wall fucking happens. Well, I mean, like I had this one completely out of the wall then when my helmet <laughs> when I forgot to close my helmet and <laughs> it's actually end up uh, like on my eyes so what happened I, I was jumping hop and pop flying to the pond last load of the day checking all my gear and I'm not I'm still not sure did I close my helmet or did it open while I've jumped out because I've jumped out you know like check my canopy and I've never felt like the helmet is moving at all like mm. you normally would probably feel it but then I come to the pond my setup and I snap and when I snapped, the helmet just went up and closed my eyes. <laughs> but you already on your fucking, you know, you snapped you on your ears, you know. So, like, it's what, three seconds till you're going to meet the ground, right? Right. So, and I cannot see shit. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm flying to the pond, probably. But, you know, there is ages, there is a gravel, there is a, like a metal pipe that uh, supplies the water to the pond. Yeah. So, like, I'm fucking don't know if I'm going to end up in the water at all so and it's it's funny enough like it's only three seconds that you have from the moment you snap till the moment you land right sure but well kind of playing take, out yeah. yeah but in these three seconds i felt like i had the whole freaking conversation and decision making in my mind the time stretched so badly sure so i decided to go on the side because it's a grass and it's a big beautiful grass amazing landing area with only one fucking windsock in the middle of this landing area <laughs> and i'm flying straight into this windsock without even seeing that sure and my canopy wraps i think it's still kind of good because the canopy wrapped around the windsock and that stopped my horizontal speed <laughs> so i just like ba boink <laughs> Yep. Yep. And so I lay down and Cornelia is running to me like because she saw that and she's like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, my knee my I feel my knee, my back, and then I'm looking at my finger and like the bone is sticking out of there. 
just like, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, that's the. That yeah, was... let's just tape that and get on the next load. No, I actually took, I took a few days off. Like, I mean, I, I really did. <laughs> the size of that knuckle, is that your wedding finger? Yeah, it is. You're never getting a fucking ring on that but thing. But that, that's an idea. You know, I think that's exactly why I fucked up this to, thing. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to get a tattooed ring because you're never getting a ring over it's, that knuckle. It's absolutely fine with me. Otherwise, it's going to be a big fat ring, you know, which, which also not too bad. <laughs> this is when I wish this was on video and not just audio. Someday. Uh, someday. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, a lot of good points and all that for sure. I mean, uh, I think uh, you were talking about when you were just getting back into it and, and not worrying about planning out too high, and uh, but you had stayed on the rears too long and knock onto your toggles. And yeah. I actually had a, a friend that does jujitsu yeah. uh, that had made a great analogy because he's a skydiver as well. And he said, uh, um, just like jujitsu, when you're new, don't be afraid to fucking tap. You know, and the, the toggles of that tap go, okay, I'm not quite sure yeah. how this is going. Don't be a, nobody's, nobody cares. Exactly. Nobody's going to give a fuck that you planed out higher, went to your toggles. They're going to forget that landing before the next load, but they'll remember the one that you, that you slam into the ground. Oh, yes, 100%. And it's funny enough, like not long ago, uh, I think it was during the quarantine, Chris Stewart asked, uh, asked to write what did you learn about their like injuries or whatever fucked up situation that you have all skydiving? Mm. So um, I had this question to think about before and I've realized that probably one of what I've learned is like not to be afraid to bail because no, you know, sometimes it's all right. We all want to get these gates. We all never, you know, <laughs> never give up the gates, trust sure. your ears and all this bullshit, right? Sure. Safety third. Sure. It's all good. It's all fun and games until you end up in the hospital with a pipe sticking out of your ribs. And then you're like, okay, even if you're alive and you're not paralyzed and you can get back to normal life, you're still losing time. You're still losing fucking time on the ground when was not necessary, sure. right? Well, that's one of the one of the super popular Facebook groups is the the school. Oh my god, of, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody loves that group, and they and they go on out of morbid curiosity. This is like the old um, drivers' ed videos that they used to show kids in school in the United States. Red asphalt yeah. was a video of horrible car crashes and all this stuff. And human beings just have this morbid curiosity oh my God, of wanting to see that. You love seeing crushes. Absolutely. You love, that's why you go to see Formula One, man. Like yeah. exactly. Well, that's more NASCAR than anything. You get this yeah. car going around in big circles. Nobody goes to see the car go around exactly. in circles. They go to see it hit the wall. Exactly. Um, that's, that's why freestyle swift challenge. Sometimes, like, like I love. That's like my dream to become part of that. Sure. Of that event uh, because I think it's amazing how they kind of introduce this sport to an average person by set, setting a setup in the middle of huge cities. You sure. Know? Like big cities where well, people, like Copenhagen, yeah, yeah, Copenhagen, or like uh, they, people just uh, what was it, San Francisco? I, the, I think so, or it's either San Francisco or San Diego. So yeah, so so uh, the people like people can go on a walk and just stop by and see people find the passion. Yes. But the thing is, people do not understand what you do in Miracle Man, Lazy Boy, fucking TikTok, no. TikTok, whatever you do. But if they see a splash, they're like, oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> that, yeah. Was, well, that, was, that was cool. Uh, what, I've, what I noticed in watching the, a lot of the videos in, in uh, like, especially Copenhagen, the last one that Junior was in, was that the people were cheering the most when either somebody chowed and ended up in the water yeah. in some spectacular fashion or when they made it onto the raft. Yes. That's all people knew. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't have any idea that they were doing some fancy move on the way to the raft. Yeah, yeah, they just know they either made it almost made it so they loved it when they would make almost it but slide, slide off, slide off. Yeah. you know 
So they loved all that stuff. And you're right. It really does bring it into a spectator world where people don't have yeah. to understand what's going on. I don't exactly. know what the fuck's going on in but, a NASCAR but car. But then it's become so spectacular friendly. because, And sure. I think that's what I love about Canopy Piloting in general because that's you can go and watch the competition. Yeah, you might not understand distance, speed, accuracy whatsoever, but you see Canopy's flying in front of you. Whether yeah, it's spectacular. Yeah, whether the disciplines like... Free fly, four way, ATC. Yeah, most people more. don't. They don't understand it. Yeah. Or if they if they want to see something like free flying, they can kind of mentally understand it if they're seeing it at a wind tunnel. Um, yeah. But if you're watching a video of a bunch of people in the sky and there's no reference, people have a difficult time. Kind of, if you're not a jumper, realizing yeah. what's going on or how impressive something but is. But look in the tunnel as well. Like unless you have a good music and like I don't know, Inca is flying there, you know, with this beautiful body and you know, just a beautiful music just plays sure. and you look at it you look at it as an art but when you get like <laughs> uh, a group of four people and they start doing rotations in the tunnel head down head up you know like carve whatever you're like only fuck I get lost yeah, what's yeah. going well, on and again people might not understand but they at least have a little bit of perspective no but I understand know? no I'm, I'm happy that it's going this way sure. and our sport becomes more spectacular friendly because we definitely want to like like I want more girls in this sport. Sure. I'm talking about that all the time because, sure. fuck, we have I think 13. It's still 13 percent of girls. Uh, are the only only 13 percent are the girls in sure. skydiving. So it's pretty male dominant sport. Sure. Which is I don't understand why because we it's not a sport where we me- measure muscles and you don't have to be stronger sure. to win. So it's pretty e- equal. You know, like there is a quality in this sport which I absolutely love about skydiving. So uh, the more girls see that, and that's why I post like a lot on my Instagram account because uh, if I have a chance to inspire some like one girl to become a skydiver just because I'm being present and real and I'm doing something that, you know, like something that they might like, they can look at it and they're like, oh, hey, uh, if other human can do it, you can do it too, sure, you know? Of course. Like, and that's kind of what drives me a lot is just like to... Be an example, and because I, w- I wasn't talented at all, like I had crushes on every skydive. I've been jumping with a radio in my helmet until I had like 30 skydives. Because after I graduated, yes, man, it was hilarious. After I graduated my IFF, the owner of the drop zone, he was like, Oh, no, um, I'll be on the ground. <laughs> so, really, just fucking take the radio and just go up because I couldn't understand yeah. where to flee. So, I understand sure. people who struggle with that. Sure. People come into sport and they're like, "Oh, I cannot understand how high I am. I cannot, uh, I cannot land properly." I'm like, "If you will give it time, just believe in yourself." It will come. Sure. Well, it that's the come. thing too, though, right? With skydiving, it's it's a difficult process to learn because with a skydive, you know, if you're hauling ass on a busy drop zone, you can manage two landings an hour. Yeah. Right. So it's it's a long process. You know, compare that to learning how to land an aircraft. Oh, I can yeah. land an airplane in the traffic pattern fifty fucking times, yeah. a little one fifty two going around the pattern, and in one day take enormous strides toward being a more competent pilot in. Regard to takeoffs and landings because I've got so much more of it. But just like a skydive, 
you're talking about a very long process, yes. right? So there's no simulator for landing a canopy. 100%. And that's what I love about canopy piloting as well. And like swooping is amazing in many ways. I just absolutely, I, I admire this sport. I'm, I'm absolutely addicted and I love it. Sure. But one of the reasons why I respect this sport so much, uh, obviously it's a community that, you know, like you come to the competition and those dudes that I absolutely love to see and, you know, sure. having a beer after a long day jumping and you just all this love and uh, talk about skydiving, not skydiving, whatsoever. But swooping is very fair sport because basically to be better, to become better, you have to get your ass up and just get in the plane and yeah, jump. Yeah, you have to do the jumps. Yeah, you have to jump out of the plane. You cannot buy your knowledge just by going to the tunnel. And I'm not saying that other sports are unfair, right? Because it puts you put your effort, money, time into uh, improving your skills as well. Sure. But in swooping, it just takes way longer. Like if you have all the time and money in the world and you want to become a free flyer it was a little bit of you know body awareness probably it will be way shorter period of a time than to become a good canopy pilot. Sure, with that tunnel to, to help do something for like sure. that. For if sure. You, if you fly five hours, I don't know, like sure. every week. Well, it's again, it's the same analogy as learning how to fly an airplane in the traffic pattern. And and I have, uh, when I see a talented skydiver in free fall doing a badass jump on video, I don't give a fuck if that guy learned how to fly in the tunnel or in the sky. I still love what he's doing. For sure. 100%. That being said, I take a huge amount of pride in my mediocre free flying skills <laughs> because I earned every fucking one of them one jump at a time. Did, did you see me free fly? <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I have. I think we should go in the free fly sky. I'm like, free you, fly sky. You, I'm not you gonna... and me. You and me. It's just gonna be. It's gonna be a mess. But we're just gonna call it the fun it, jump. We're just gonna go and fuck it. It'll probably will. It'll all balance <laughs> we're out. That's be fine. Like, yeah. That's all fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, honestly, I I don't care how somebody gets those skills. I'm just impressed when they have them. But yeah. um, there's no replacement for learning how to fly that canopy. Um, I was lucky in that when I started flying parachutes, I never really had any issues with it, but I was already a pilot uh, when I started skydiving because I had started flying planes when I was 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of understood the mentality and for whatever reason, it just made sense to me. Uh, so I never really had any bad landings. I also was in no rush to downsize. Yeah. I only downsized initially because the tandems that I was filming were almost beating me to the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I really, um, for the longest time, the canopy portion of the skydive was simply how I got back to freefall. Freefall was, it was all about freefall for me yeah, because yeah. I was a camera flyer and I was learning how to free fly and all this stuff. So the parachute was just a means to an end. That's, you see, that's very like interesting how people select the discipline they want to fly. Sure. Like to me, it was always, I want to fly the wing. I enjoyed, I enjoyed free fall part a lot because I was doing four way competition. I was doing big way belly formation and I respect belly so much because that's mentally, teaches you to focus and especially when you're in the four-way team you know you you cannot just say hey i'm sick like there are five no, other people you gotta be there yeah there are five people for, for uh, waiting for you and also like it's uh, teaches you to focus but anyway like i've enjoyed this part a lot but i've always wanted to fly a wing you sure. know and it's a beautiful night look at that flying my wing you know like flying fast canopies is like my favorite thing to do sure well, and again, I think part of it was because I had been flying planes since I was very young. Mm -hmm. So the idea of flying a wing for me uh, was sitting behind the propeller, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, staying up as long as you had fucking gas in a destination. Uh, so the, the canopy part of it wasn't as big of a draw for me for the longest time. And I don't even remember when the change was that I really started to enjoy flying a parachute. Right, I think probably... About the time I finally downsized just to make it easier on myself and I ended up on a Stiletto 135 was the first 
proper yeah. canopy that I was on. And I flew a Sabre uh, before, which again was a decent canopy, but it wasn't anything hardcore. Man, I started, I've, I've done my, I've started swooping when I had just over 5,000 jumps. Mm. Uh, so before that, all my jumps were on like similar canopy, like it was a copy of a Sapphire mm. uh, canopy, and then it was a copy of a Crossfire. So I was kind of leaning into the NZ Air Sports <laughs> by, right, by flying right. their copies, <laughs> you know. But um, I, I, I didn't downsize, and I didn't find anything rapidly like fast-ish mm. until I finally convinced Cornelia to coach me, you know, sure. like because I didn't want to start without a coach because I knew that I don't have the talent and depth perception and all of this. I knew that if I'm going to start by myself, it's kind of, it's going to go fucking wrong. <laughs> so that was a very uncharacteristically wise decision on your part. <laughs> I'm, I'm hey, actually, I, 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 I got to admit, I'm, I'm actually surprised because I've been there for a lot of Pretty borderline silly choices that you've made. I do yeah. make a lot of silly choices. Absolutely. In life, so sure, but... you telling me that you you didn't want to start downsizing and actually trying to fly a wing like that until you had a proper coach. Yeah. That's really good. What the fuck happened? Because <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you started flying those wings, your decision making for a little while and and I let me put a caveat on this. I uh, applaud uh, your more, much more grown up. Um, take on it now and your approach to it is um, much more in line with something I can get behind, which is safety oriented and learning from yeah. the mistakes and all that kind of stuff. It, but that wasn't the way it used to be. When you and I first became friends and for a while <laughs> after that, it was all, yeah, I fucked up. Let's go try it again. Yeah. And but you'd I, go th bigger. I think I, I think I still have this mentality. I just like, I evaluate my <laughs> evaluate my jumps a little bit more and I think about that uh, ahead uh, a little bit more often <laughs> not sure. always but so what happened is um, I think I was pushing it a little bit too hard because I always feel like I'm limited in time and I want to get it done and I want to get it done fast I want sure. I want I want it all and I want it now uh, kind of mentality I have and uh, it's not working with swoop and I learned it a hard way but I didn't I didn't know you know like that I why cannot not become a world champion within five years what the fuck I mean like that's my goal that's what I want to do that's I'm gonna push hard so why pick that time frame why did it have I don't to know. be five years I, I don't know it's just like uh, that's that's how I came to corn and I was like uh, Cornelia you know like I've known her um, <laughs> train I'm not, me to I'm kick not... your ass in five years exactly that's what I said I want to I, I want to compete with you and I want to kick, kick your ass on a competition and she's like huh? and but you know how she rolled her eyes and Sure. And she's like, okay, come. Yep. <laughs> I'll help you. <laughs> she's got a great way of being condescending without even saying words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just roll her eyes. Yeah, fine. Yep. It's perfect. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, I think I just was pushing it too hard without, like, and also, um, like, I never told Cornelia about the depth perception problem, you know, so she didn't know it until actually that happened. And So, actually, before you move on, Tell me about the depth perception issue. What what exactly is it? I mean, is it a medical thing? It or? is. A, it is kind of a thing that you can have as a medical thing. It's uh, you cannot cure it because you don't have a surgery for it. It's just the understanding of how far you are from the from the object. It's not um, as real and accurate as it is because my vision is fine. 
my my vision is fine but it's been from the childhood like i could run and there will be a tree ahead of me and i'll run into the tree because i think <laughs> it's fucking it's farther away and my and my mom would be like didn't you see the tree and i'm like yeah i saw the tree but i think i thought it's further and i thought yeah, like I saw i'm gonna it really run. fucking well yeah i saw the tree just like i thought i'm gonna turn just before the tree and then i hit the tree and i like you know oh so, my god i wish there'd been more video of you as a kid that shit <laughs> I'm fucking happy we didn't have an iPhones back then. Oh. So anyway, yeah, like I mean, yeah, but everything, everything you can train. It's like your vision, your brain, your muscles. You can train it by doing it and doing it and doing it again. Because like two years ago, two years ago, I wouldn't even imagine that I can do a landing by the eye, by just like without you know a detail telling me the altitudes and sure. by. Uh, by the count because normally I would start and I would count very precisely that's why all my turns pretty much the same hmm. they very similar I don't have different turns no, normally it starts at the same altitude and seven counts and a snap you know like I know that but now I can understand that sometimes I stretch it a little bit you know mm. longer and I can adjust my turn if I need to a little bit better so after 13 years skydiving I think it just like the vision kind of got used to the picture that I have sure. every, on every skydive so well I mean a- with the discipline that you've chosen um, being able to vary those turns is hugely important because doing <laughs> no shit, the, you know I mean- <laughs> do, doing the exact same turn on every jump is not a fucking good thing because yeah. conditions change, change from yeah, yeah. one jump to the next you know I exactly, mean yeah. um temperatures can go up drastically and they're going to make you go faster it can get colder you play again planning out high I'm, fine but. yeah but like it's always like that like it's uh it's never going to be easy whatever you like you can have a perfect depth perception but then you're going to be oh, not flexible with your shoulders of and then you cannot fly distance as good as uh like nick batch or sure. you know uh but like it's always going to be something you just have to overcome it you just have to like okay well that's a shit i have to deal with that's the cards that I've got. So game on. I have sure. to just figure out how I'm gonna work around that and just sure. work around. So that's probably like what I say all to my students as well that they shouldn't give up and think they're untalented or just because they cannot finish FF and A jumps. You know, it doesn't mean that you shit in sure. what you do. Sure. No, no, absolutely. Well, and and uh, that's always a good lesson to impart. As a matter of fact, I was lucky enough to sit down. In fact, the episode that's running now while you and I are talking is uh, with a guy named Ivo Ninov who um, has gone on to become a, a ridiculous world-class base jumper and has just done all these amazing things. Um, but when I was one of his AFF instructors mm. way back when, he struggled. He had a really hard time with it. And, and uh, we're talking about a world record-holding rock climber yeah. who's built for dealing with stress and has yeah, put yeah. himself, you know, for days on end on stress, stressful situations that I can't even begin to imagine, but I couldn't get him to relax on a skydive. And and it took quite a while, but eventually he was able to go, all right, no, I need to just chill and look at this a different way. And, and it was always a, you're going to be able to do this. But and imagine how hard it is to relax on a skydive. Man, I understand every student of mine. I was shit scared for the first course, 10 jumps I did. Of course. But so he was a little bit different though. And this is actually... And I, I, I asked him briefly on the podcast, although I wish I'd got into it more, we would go and debrief the skydives and he was super tense on all these jumps, just stiff as a board and muscling the hell out of everything. 
And I would tell him as we're briefing for the next skydive, I would say, okay, so on this one, we're gonna, I gave him the standard hand signal. We're just going to relax. And I would shake my hands. And I would say it just like that. So we're just going to relax, yeah. right? And what are you going to do? So, I'm going to relax. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> whew, holy shit. And so I would finally get him to go, I'm going to relax. <laughs> and, but it was so tense. And, uh, it, of course, he was able to finally overcome it and get past that. But he even admitted uh, when I talked to him recently that, yeah, it was a real struggle yeah. getting through AFF. And I never could quite – I couldn't understand how someone could be so comfortable and poised hanging 2,500 feet off the valley floor in Yosemite, yeah. you know, doing these intense rock climbs and be chill and mellow and, you know, be graceful the but way that they had to be. it's unknown field. It's something that he haven't sure. done before and he doesn't have the confidence he didn't build the confidence here and while, while once oh, I agree. Build the confidence, i just uh, be- i i would have thought naturally that that ability to relax in stressful situations would go from i don't think it's one area to, to the next nah, and it didn't nah. but no that was a great lesson for me to learn and one to pass on to students as well but again he's a glowing uh, fact that no you can start out not doing great and end up again he's pro- one of the most prominent base yeah. jumpers on the planet and that's the thing you know like we because we live, especially nowadays, we live in an era where everyone is trying to show their best side, you know, like, sure. oh, look at me, I'm, I'm done this, I've done this, and, and you know, and you, you're trying to be perfect in the way. But I, I, I don't think that perfection is something you have to, like, no. consider as a final, no. <laughs> final point no. of well, the... One of the, one of the most freeing things for me in skydiving ever was realizing I wasn't going to be the best at any discipline. Yeah, um, because then you just took it easy and just enjoyed and the, just have every fun. skydive. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I was never going to be the best tandem instructor, but I was really good at it, and so I enjoyed it. I was never going to be the best canopy pilot, but I was good at it. But that's the thing. That's what I think. Like, when you start accepting and talk about your insecurities or whatever like you have uh doubts about yourself they disappear hmm. like for instance i've always thought that i'm the only one the scared one uh before the swoop competition because i would be shitting oh, no. myself i would come to the to the boarding area and these guys you know like the swoopers they're like all mean and badass you know and i didn't know anyone back then now yeah now i'm like laughing and joking and drinking with them sure. but th- back then i was very new you know this chick with this fucking pink canopy, you know, coming there. Like, I'm shitting myself. I, I don't know. Like, my first competition, my my main goal was to survive. Sure. It wasn't about medals. Sure. About a score, whatever. But, like, I came there like I was co- going to the war. Sure. I'm like, I need to survive. If I survive, that's been successful competition, sure. you know? And, um, but then I started like asking them and I started like asking, uh, Darman brothers and we were like having a beer after, yeah, well, I have, I was having a wine, of course, but <laughs> anyway, so we were having drinks and I asked them like, oh, it's like, uh, how do you feel like before the jump? Do you nervous at all? Because you look so cool and calm and you joke around, you know, like, and I feel like I'm fucking scared little rabbit. <laughs> and they're like, no man we we do and max mano as well he said like he has his breathing technique for instance like he in the plane yeah he closed his eyes and he goes through the whatever whatever breathing technique he has and sometimes he has to start breathing a little bit faster if he feel like he is too calm you know sure. like under the canopy everyone has a little trick sure. right uh, but everyone is scared because, like, of course, everyone of course. is scared. It's well, yeah, I think a lot of what you saw before you knew these guys and knew what was going on was the same thing that instructors put on for their students, right? Yeah. Like, I've had, I don't know, what have I had, four or five tandem cutaways um, or countless scary canopy rides under turbulent conditions and fucked up situations where, as the instructor, you don't get to be scared. 
uh, because you've got to project some uh, form of confidence for your students oh so gosh. they don't get freaked out. <laughs> oh, shit, scared when I go on the FF skydive with my students because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah but you, they don't know that. <laughs> they don't? Of course not, but that's what I mean. So, right? I mean, yeah. there were literally more times on skydives when I guarantee I was more scared of that jump than my students, my tandem students yeah. were, because I fucking knew. <laughs> like, oh, this is some sketchy fucking shit we're doing here. You know, yeah. I mean, the very first jump that I ever did at Skydive Fiji, I rolled out of an airplane in clouds at 14,000 feet Holy and shit. came out of the clouds at 2,000 feet. Oh my, my student had no idea that that was the stupidest thing I'd ever For done. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm No o- GPS as well? No, fuck no. I'm just over water, I think. Shit. I'm not sure, you know, but you have to project this calmness to give it to them. Well, I would imagine that's the same thing that's going on in the loading area with those competitors is they're not going to let anybody see their nerves, not because they are worried that someone else is going to think they're being a pussy or something, but because if someone else acknowledges their fear, yeah. it becomes much more real. No, 100%. But it's just funny that you mentioned about this stuff. I remember like in South Africa, um, my boss uh, gave me like a GPS mm. because we were jumping in the clouds a lot. <laughs> Fuck. And he didn't tell me that. Uh, GPS is shit when it's cloudy. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> so I'm like, look at this GPS. Everything is upside down. I don't fucking know where I am. I know there is a Indian Ocean behind my back and there's yep. a, like a great white sharks over there, you know. <laughs> yep. And the wind is pretty strong and I don't see a sun because there is no fucking sun. It's clouds. Yeah. Yeah. And I was shaking. I was shaking. But you get like but you have a student Again, in front of right, you. Know, right. And you have to kind of, you know, like, yeah, uh, no worries. We'll see a ground at some point. Sure. Well in the big lesson that I learned in all those times when I was being fake uh, calm and fake confident was that the more um, I was putting up that front to them, uh, the more it was calming me down. I was forcing myself to be calm, not for me, yeah. but for them. And you start to um, you grow this relationship with that fear of yours and you start to realize very quickly, all right, I'm shit scared, but I know I can handle it and I can freak out later when I'm on the fucking ground. Right? And, and there have been many times that... I think your perception has changed while you're dealing with something like this. Like you dealing you're scared but you experience enough that you understand that you cannot just like drop everything right now i drop the tackles and i'm like oh I'm but gonna it die. happens it happens there have been fatalities you know i mean a number of fatalities over the years where people got themselves into a fixable situation um there wasn't that many years ago i remember there was a a, a wingsuiter that had passed away um who was under a spinning malfunction mm. And never cut away. And it wasn't a spinning malfunction to the point that they wouldn't be able to get to their handles. And, you know, the the opinion was that they freaked out and just didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, You know, I mean, a lot of shit like that happens. People seize up. So it does take a little bit of something to realize, all right, I'm in a fucked up situation. I'm scared. Like one of the scariest flying experiences I ever had was flying um, in really severe mountain turbulence. And I had no way out of it. Like I was 45 minutes at least before I got past where it was really bad. And I, and I knew that. And you have to just take a deep breath and go, all right, there's only one fucking way out of this. And that's if I do what I need to do, I don't get to freak out right now. I can freak out later. And you do that, whether it's for flying or skydiving or whatever. And I, that's one of the huge lessons that you learn, right, is that you get to freak out later. 
Yeah. You know, and yeah. cool. But again, you, you start putting up that fake front for students and everything. And that teaches you an amazing lesson of, okay, you know, that whole joking, fake it till you make it. Well, even if you're on your own. It works. <laughs> damn right. And yeah, you just tell just yourself. like, okay, I think, I think about that tomorrow. I'll think about it later. Whatever yes. works, you know, fake it till you make it. I mean, yeah, yeah man, you can't, you cannot, like, you, you always got to be scared. But you have sure. to just, you know, forget about that. Like I tell too, whenever I jump with other people at Tandem, I mean, yeah, I'll tell them to just come to the door and do not focus on the fear of jumping out of the plane. Just, sure. okay, just keep your mind busy with something else. Think about the body position or whatever. Like, think about having your head back, sure. you know, like, and two seconds after you're going to love it is just to trick our mind and take the attention away from the fear and tell the fear to sure. shut the fuck up, you absolutely. know, because that's the only way to go through some of the situation we deal with. Sure. No, absolutely. Well, that's that's one of the things that I will pat myself on the back on in regard to skydiving with uh, tandem specifically is I learned those lessons in regard to fear uh, pretty early on. I didn't start doing tandems until I had a couple thousand skydives. Oh, wow, okay. um, so <laughs> I had, yeah, so I, I had already scared the living shit out of myself a number of times in skydiving and had learned how to cope with that to some degree and learned those lessons in a way that I could kind of um, try and read and uh, act appropriately with each of my students. And because of that, I never had a refusal, which I thought was wonderful, not necessarily because I didn't have students that freaked out. Of course I did. It was that I had learned how to read them enough to realize this is how this person needs to get past it. This is how I can deal with that. Whether you're you know, distracting them or, and you've had students like this yeah, where you, as an instructor, you work like a psychologist, man. Sometimes yeah, you have, you have to be have to absolutely, you know, I mean, this bullshit and talk like about sure, nails. Man. Sure. I was talking about nail polish with some chick just to get her absolutely. You know, mind out you, of it. You get their minds off of it. Or there's the ones that trying to distract them doesn't work because they're so focused on the fear. And that's when you have to look them dead in the eyes yeah. and be straight with them. Go, yeah, yeah what we're doing is kind of dangerous, but it's Fucking amazing. And guess what? I have plans for dinner tonight. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to come back. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, so you you figure out which one. That's my line, actually. You stole my line. Oh, hell no, honey. I was using that 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think so. You could keep it. (laughs) I always used to tell people that was my big thing is that, uh, um, you know, we're going to go up and it's going to be freaky and scary, but don't worry. I have dinner plans tonight and I never miss dinner. I normally say I have a bottle of wine in my fridge, so I'm not going to say that. You can say that that uh, so um briefly back to the the injury subject yeah. that we were on so looking back now at the way you dealt with the serious injuries yeah. early on in the sport what would you do differently um you know not, not <clears throat> much like i would say that is uh very important and what i pay a lot of attention now is like my uh physical uh physical activities i still trying to keep my body as strong as possible because i understand that will help me if i if i'm gonna crash again or how, like uh, if i'm gonna hit the ground very hard the stronger my body is the less chances i have that i'm gonna like you know go down sure. for for real you sure. know sure. so um i'd still do that uh if i if i say like the um lessons that i've learned obviously that it's okay to bail it's okay it's fine to bail and it's fine to go on toggles and even if it's important competition if you see that you are very very close to the ground and it's coming to you very fast fucking use your toggles that's what they made for to stop your canopy from you know sure. from flying into the ground sure 
And uh, it's better to have zero in your competition than to have to spend your whole life in a wheelchair or, you know, a couple, <laughs> yes. a couple of years uh, out of skydiving. Because uh, so I would say, like, I'm just um, I don't think I would do anything dif- different that much. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously listening to my body and I know my body very well. So if person understand and listen and don't push too much through the pain. Obviously, if you cannot run and because you cannot breathe, you're not going to go skydiving sure. because with a collapsed lung. But if you can do that, if you can evaluate your body ability and understand that you actually can do that, then I think it's fine to go back to skydiving. I think like I wouldn't do crazy stuff like like I had this uh, funny fire jump, (laughs) (laughs) which is not skydiving related, but it was a pond party. It was like a big... It was skydiving related. It wasn't jumping related. It, w- it was jumping related because I did jump over the fire, right? So No, not actually. You <laughs> didn't. Did, did, you did, jumped I, into the fire. I did, I did jump in the fire. So, like, Fuck. it was a huge fire, pond party. Everyone is having, like, drinks floating around, and I had quite a few. And then Jason, and he is, like, two meters. He's 198 centimeters tall, like, mm. almost two meters tall. He just jumps over the fire. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that as well. And my friends are like, no, 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 don't do that. I'm like, hmm. Hold my beer. Mm-hmm. And I just ran into the fire. So my whole fucking right leg was burned. And uh, obviously, I could not put a shoe on because my foot was burned. My leg was burned. Uh-huh. It was like very, very bad. Yeah. But I wanted to get back to work because also it's like I didn't fuck up myself skydiving. I, I, it was a fuck up during the party. So it's not really... Yeah. A yeah. good excuse to stay home. No. And uh, they couldn't... They Obviously, they never let you jump without a shoe sure and it was painful as fuck to put the shoe on so i would go into the plane without the shoe and i have a shoe in my pocket in my rds pocket and then i jump uh, before the jump i put the shoe on i land and i took the shoe off and i'll just carry on so maybe i would give myself more time to recover because i've never let myself to recover every time like probably the longest time i've took myself uh, off skydiving, like injury-wise, it'd be three weeks. Sure. Well, so I, I absolutely agree with part of your mentality when it comes to um, recovery time. Yes, you listen to your own body and know the doctors are not always right. Uh, because I've been able to get back to activities long before they said I would and recovered much quicker. And I'm sure you're the same Pretty much every time I've had an injury or a surgery that I've recovered from, the doctors have gone, wow, you're doing really well. This is quite quick, which tells me the Mm -hmm. same thing it tells you, which is, of course, they're always going to recommend a longer time. But because of what we do and what we do being so physically demanding, we also have a much higher chance of, during the normal course of events, fucking up ourselves again because what we do is so much more strenuous than what the average Joe Blow or Jane Blow does going to the office. You know, so when those doctors give those recommendations, you know, again, I I, I tend to be like you and chances are I'm thinking it's going to be quicker than that. Uh, But... Again, also, age and fitness level is a huge thing to For take sure. into consideration. Keep your body, keep your body strong. Sure. That's what advice I would give to everyone who is getting in any sport. And it's, it's don't train for something train for fucking love because that's what you need your body for you need to have a strong vehicle to take you from a to b and uh, make this journey as long as possible as well and as pleasant as it possible 
But yeah, I mean, like, of course, uh, I've never had a chance to recover. And sometimes I think maybe if I would, you know, like give this finger a that little bit more finger time, wouldn't look so... maybe it wouldn't look that brutal like it I is looking now. I wish you guys could see this finger. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, you send me DM. I'll, I'll it's send a, you It's a good thing it's your ring finger because if it was your index <laughs> finger where that might end up going could be, uh, yeah, all yeah. curved and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't use it much nowadays because I've learned to... I'm, because I made, it doesn't bend? It doesn't bend, really. <laughs> yeah, so I made like this two index finger and a uh, middle finger like pretty strong so i can use my front <sighs> risers when i when i swim but anyway yeah like uh give yourself time to recover because sometimes you i mean like i've been lucky enough after the injuries when i come back not to re-injure myself like sure. acl reconstruction i came back after two months and it was obviously too early because the doctor told me like nine months the, the recovery should sure. be nine months and i came back after two months jumping and jumping tandems and i've been lucky enough not to re-injure that but if i would re-injure it i will take another a year of my life oh yeah in fact that was actually another injury of yours that you and i kind of headbutted about um in fact i remember giving you shit in the staff room this would have been a few years ago it was like five years ago yeah um and you had had the acl uh injury but you weren't sure what was going on yet you hadn't had anything done and um, oh, yes. you decided, fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and jump until I get the results. <laughs> and you remember this? Yeah, no, My fucking yeah. head came off. I was yeah. cussing you out in front of other staff yeah, members because I'm like, that. what the fuck are you doing? You could cripple yourself for life. You don't know how bad it is. Yeah. So I agree with a lot of the way you do things in regard to I'm going to recover at my pace and maybe I push it a little bit, but I'm going to try, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. That one made me mad because you, you hadn't been assessed yet. Exactly. Yeah. Like I would, I would always say, and I would recommend being smart and just go and check yourself out and just maybe like, you know, take uh, the medical opinion and then. You know, yes, I mean, get, get a second opinion for injuries if you're if you're concerned or something like that. But if you don't know how hurt you are, but you know you're hurt, stop. Just fucking stop. That's that's when you just <laughs> go time out. And it wasn't even that you were still jumping. It's that you um, had decided you were going to continue to jump and you were going up on a fun jump to swoop the pond. Yeah. And I was like, are you, you fucking asshole? <laughs> I believe I called you an asshole yeah. a lot. But that's the thing that happened with uh, another surgery when I had the uh, ACL, the real ACL reconstruction uh, <laughs> that happened in Jordan. I landed and I knew my knee is fucked. And uh, Chooks just got my gear and I'm like, I'm going for a jump. And he's like, well, you don't look good, but I did another three jumps. Yeah, uh, and only when I started crying in the plane because I was so painful, mm. I was like, I landed and I'm like, can I take a break? Yeah, well, skydivers, <laughs> for the most part, skydivers are going to let other skydivers do what they're going to do. We're, we all make our own fucking decisions. You sign the waiver, you're going to get on the plane, yeah. you want to do that jump. I'll call you an asshole, but I'm not going to keep you from getting on the airplane sure, unless yeah. I don't think you're safe or whatever for everyone unless else. i don't think you're making an informed decision but yeah. if you have all the information and your wits are about you and you yeah. decide you're going to go do that jump and i've made my opinion known well then that's it you're gonna you're a big kid you're gonna yeah. go do your jump um it's when maybe you don't know what's going on or you don't know the extent of your injuries something like that that's when i have an issue i mean i'm no better when i um exactly. <laughs> I, I broke my leg on i believe it was my 20 either my 25th or my 27th skydive 
uh, I knew I'd fuck myself up on a canopy that I was too small. It was a, a it was given to me by a, a, a staff member at the drop zone that I learned how, and it was a dramatically smaller parachute than I should have been flying. I panic flared, let up on the flare, slammed in, and broke my leg. I didn't know my leg was broken then, and I didn't want to appear to be that pussy who made one fucking skydive in Paris Valley before he had to sit down. So I made another skydive. Halfway up in the airplane, my leg swells up like a fucking sausage because I broke the um, bone just below my knee lengthwise an inch and a half. Just split it down. Um, And as my leg swells up so that I can't bend my knee anymore, a wise and intelligent person would have stayed in the plane. No, but you're already in the plane. You already paid for a jump. No, but I was, again, again, I'm only 20-something skydives into it, Uh so I didn't have that yet. Um, Not only did I jump, but I jumped on the same fucking little parachute that I broke my leg on. (laughs) Right? Now, needless to say, I nailed that landing. It was a fucking beautiful landing. What lesson did you learn from that? Um, If you will turn back time, would you do that again? Would I have made the jump again? Yeah. No. No, no, no. What do you say in the plane? Um, no, I wouldn't have gotten on the plane. I would have gone, you know something, I, I fucking hurt myself. Yeah, but if you got it on the plane, would you still jump? Well, again, if I'm looking back and had I learned the lessons that I know now, if, if something like that happened now, I wouldn't even put myself in the position of having to decide to jump because I wouldn't have been on the plane. Um, so, but again... Looking back, I would have never broken my leg because it would be like um, if you handed me your Petra right now. Yeah. Said, hey, you want to go jump this? My answer right now is go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, of course I'm not going to jump your – what are you flying? Oh, Petra 67. Yeah, go fuck yourself. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, there's not a goddamn chance. Um, and it's uh, it's just because now I know. I, you know, I can look back with all this experience and go, no, I had no business being on that canopy. I went from a PD-210 to what at the time was called a Turbo Z-165. It was a half ZP semi-elliptical yeah. canopy. I had no business being on this canopy. But the, the experienced uh, jumper told me that it was docile. Yeah. And it didn't dawn on me that it was docile to him, a guy with thousands of jumps at the yeah, time. Yeah, but with your 20 fucking six. Yeah, so but, it, it, but you know, I'll tell you what, though, looking back on it, I still take responsibility because I, at the end of the day, took the rig. I yeah. didn't ask any more about it. He said it was cool, so I just, fuck it, all right, let's go. Um, the only funny sidebar to that story is not only um, was he the one that lent me the rig that uh, had my first injury in skydiving, he also packed my first malfunction. <laughs> he was so fucking mad at me. He's, he was so mad at me that uh, that I chopped a pack yeah. job because up until that time, and we're talking years in the sport, he'd probably pack thousands and thousands of parachutes. Yeah. He had never packed a malfunction. And now here's some guy with, I think, again, 27 or 28 jumps yeah. just chopped. And if you ask me now, it was a spinning malfunction, but I couldn't tell you if it was just a brake fire or <laughs> if I actually... Classic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I so mean, classic. I literally could have... Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I It's possible I cut away a brake fire. So if that's the case... Uh, you would yeah. apologize to him I'm right now. I'm really <laughs> sorry, Kurt. Um, I'm sorry, dude. I may have cut away a brake fire. <laughs> Which probably was the case. Because it may have been. With this amount of jump, if anything is unstable, you like fucking chop it. Yeah, I don't know what yeah, it yeah. Well, I remember I remember it opened up and it was turning and I... I, I, it, I Halas, get it. <laughs> that's it. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although I'll tell you what, looking back, I gave a great piece of advice to a friend of mine who did chop a brake fire. Um, and she got a lot of shit for it and it was kind of, um, 
torn up about the fact that people were giving her such a hard time. And I asked her point blank. I'm like, when you cut that parachute away, were you convinced that it was the only action you could take to save your life? Yeah. And she said, yes. And I'm like, then next time somebody gives you shit for it, you thump them in the fucking chest exactly. and tell them to go fuck exactly. themselves. Exactly. Look, uh, like I always say to my students as well, don't get this shit from, from anyone else because no. every, every person is different. Everyone deals with stress differently. Some people just freak out, blackout. You know, I don't want my, my students to blackout while he doesn't no. trying to realize if it's really death threatening or is it just a malfunction that's the thing right it, and right? that was the thing that if i told you're not her sure if you think that it's better to chop and you will feel fucking safer yep. just chop it i asked her i'm like in your opinion did you think that she said yes i'm like did you perform your emergency procedures the way that you were taught she said yes i'm like then you tell everybody else to go fuck so, themselves yeah, that's always your and that comes also like back to the injuries i think like hey we all different and we all know ourselves better right we all know how our body react our mind reacts and we all can make a decision regarding that like i'm not 10 years old right i know my body i've been through the, in, in this body for a while so i can understand how Are you 22 23 now yeah, around there <laughs> so <clears throat> anyway like i had this situation a funny like story when i started skydiving it was like one year into me skydiving and i had i had hernia in my neck so it was like, it was hurting a lot. Like once a year, yeah. I'd, I'd be like on the fucking painkillers because I couldn't get up. I had one in my neck and one in my lower back. So I came and I did the MRI in Belarus in the clinic. And there was a like old lady looking through, maybe she wasn't that old, but, but I mean, like anyway, she was looking through my scans and she's like, um, and what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm, I have my, my, I have my career as a, like I was running the biggest travel company in my, my country. And plus, I'm skydiving sure. on my days off. Sure. And she's like, well, probably she sort of skydiving as a parachute jumps, you know, when you right. go bunk into yeah. the ground, where she's like, well, you cannot do that because otherwise you'll end up in a wheelchair in 10 years. Hmm. I'm like, for real and she's like yeah i'm like okay are you married and she's like yes i'm like well if i'll tell you your man is gonna cheat on you in 10 years will he divorce now or you will still give it a chance sure and she's like okay fuck off yeah. here's exercises do the exercises and like i don't know i actually think my body got stronger and uh, i was Fair doing enough. i was doing a lot of physio i was doing a lot of training on my body. that's why i say if you want to make sure that Whenever you hit the ground, you're going to walk away or, like, crawl away with a <laughs> smaller consequences that you could. Sure. Train your body. Make sure. sure your body is healthy and strong. Do, like, whatever. Like, do yoga. Do swim. Do run. Do lifting. Whatever floats your boat. Just make sure that you do some activities to keep your body uh, muscle, muscly. Like, sure. to have some muscles in sure. your body to support your core, to support your spine, and to support your bones. Absolutely. By the way, I, I think that was very entertaining that you did air quotes around Belarus and doctor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, being the arrogant American, I always assume that, like, uh, um, ultrasound in Belarus is just someone screaming real loud at one spot at you. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it is, yes, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> so um, before we wrap it up, I yeah. want you to tell me about being a, an Icarus athlete. Man, it, it wasn't even a question like what am I going to fly ever because uh, once I asked – Obviously, I didn't understand anything about the canopies once I started, like, swooping. I knew there is some fast canopies and some slow canopies. Sure. I didn't know if mine is slow, if it's big. I didn't have any ideas about the sizes. Uh, but um, so when I, I started flying 
uh, velocities. Like I, I had a very, very uh, smart downsize because I always downsize one size. Mm. Like I had the opportunity at that at the time to have a rent and have the wings one size smaller each time. And I would do like 200 jumps on each wing mm. or more if I need to, if it's a smaller wing until I needed to get my first wing. Uh, so, and, and then I think I got a Valkyrie first, but after a little bit, I, I wanted to have a Leia because Leia came up mm. and I, I got Leia and, uh, and then Cornelia gave me to try her Petra 72. And it was like, it was a turning point. It was sure. like a point of no return anymore because once this, this wing, once I flew this wing, well, the first time I, I jumped with Petra, I chopped it, but. <laughs> So I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to fly it. Okay. I chopped it because I had a smaller D bag. I kind of, you know, like I didn't know the volume of the packing of the cross brace canopies of it's a huge, sail canopy, yeah. and it's huge. So I tried it to squeeze it in my little rig, and I did squeeze it, but it just didn't come out of deep D bag. So <laughs> right. like, oh fuck! I, that's it. That's how it was pretty bad. Um, but the, the the second time when I jumped it and I flew that, I was that's it. I was like. A love from the first flight. Sure, I knew that's that's a canopy. That's a wings I want to fly. Sure, because I loved Leia. I loved Petra. It was absolutely the wings of my preference, and um, and I wanted to become an athlete for Icarus and the Air Sports. But fuck I wasn't. Yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, man. This, uh, like you say, oh, you got the t-shirt on. The, fuck yeah, 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 fuck yeah, and the sticker. You know, like it's just the, the mentality of ours. It's yes, just so, yes. it's so, so good yes. with us. And the wings are so amazing. So, uh, but I wasn't there yet as an athlete, but I really had a desire to be. Sure. So I start sending emails, and I send uh, emails. Um, and Shannon uh, answered and she said, yeah, like, let's try, you know, let's give you a go. And, uh, and that's how I started. And that was like, fuck, I mean, like, I, I love the company. I love the athletes there. Nice. I love how they do things and what they do. I love the product. I love my every, each and every of my wings. I absolutely love. I'm, I'm about to order my first Kraken because I started flying wingsuit now. Sure. And um, that's, I think that's a perfect wing for the wingsuit as well. So, like, all my baby wings, uh, you know, like, sure, sure. they are from NZ Airsport. Sure. And I'm super happy. And, like, now my student and my friend, uh, Luke, he is about to order his first wing. And, obviously, I'm I'm saying, like, okay, like, well, you can order your rig and your um, AD and reserve whatever you want. But the first canopy that you're going to have is going to be a Sapphire. Nice. That's, that's we ordering Sapphire for nice. you because I'm pretty sure that you're going to love this wing and going to – you're going to have fun with this wing for a while. Sure. Well, it's it's always been kind of funny because obviously I've been on higher performance wings for many, many years now. Yeah. Um, but um, I always looked at – NZ Aerosports came to light uh, with, again, canopies, especially the Petra, really started making fucking waves. Yeah. And I always viewed the canopies at NZ Aerosports as, boy – I'd really like to fly those, but yeah. I'm not. Fu- there's no fucking way. But it's good that you, you know, you understand. Of course. It's well, again, that that's the, that's those lessons learned, right? Um, that being said, I have a shitload of experience on their tandem canopies, and um, oh I've. My God, I love it. I've been in some amazingly difficult situations on those canopies that bailed me out because the wing did what I needed them to do. So yeah. it's it's been pretty spectacular. Yeah, all the way down yeah. Well, congratulations on being an NZR. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Thank you very much. Fuck yeah. 
Fuck That's yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, honestly, thank you so much. It's it's very cool and it's refreshing to talk about a, a subject as difficult as stuff like injuries and yeah. skydiving and get somebody to be honest about it because obviously we want to bullshit and we want to um, act as though it's not a big deal or either that or it's somebody that's completely the opposite and it's the end of the world. Oh my God, and some people are such a drama queen, like especially the girls. Oh my God, I broke my fucking nail. Well, well guys get can back do- in a plane. I mean, if it's not a major injure, injury, sure. just get back on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and guys can be the same way, but it's nice to have someone just take a, a measured approach to this is what I've been through, this is what I've done, yeah. this is where I learned lessons, this is where I was making mistakes, because we all have. Sure. Um, and skydiving is the only um, thing, not even sport, only thing in my life and where I valued learning lessons through other people's mistakes and not making them because clearly the mistakes that we can make in skydiving have some big fucking consequences. Um, So it's definitely my hope with podcasts like this that um, especially people learning and coming up in the sport hear people that are at the cutting edge and really pushing things have learned those lessons. And that's been one of the best things about this and one of the comments that I get most often about the podcast is they get to hear people they look up to admitting that they fucked up. But that's, Ad- a, that's a great thing. Like you yes. said about Ivo. Ivan, what is his name? The, Ivo, the, yes. Uh, Ivo, that he's been you know, like he wasn't the best. Yes, and, and no, and, and, and it's okay. Yes, no, and he he happily admitted on the podcast. He's like, no, I I struggled. I really worked to to get there, but obviously I put in the work and I learned those lessons. Yeah, and so, exactly. and it's nice to it, it's all it's very refreshing because we live in a in an age of Instagram and Facebook yeah. where everybody is so worked up and trying to make themselves look cool that they don't realize that admitting those mistakes and admitting those lessons learned makes them look so much cooler than if they're flawless. Exactly. So keep it real. Don't be a cunt. Yes. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers Don't to be that a cunt. <laughs> All right. Blue skies. Thanks Blue again. Skies. Thank you very much, Tin. See ya. Bye. All right, guys, one more time. That's another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can, brought to you, as always, by the greatest magazine in the known universe, Blue Skies Magazine. Head to blueskiesmag.com so you can subscribe to the magazine and check out all their cool shit. Also, the extreme sports collective, pussfoot.com. You're going to want to go check them out as well. Summit Parachute Systems, Jarrett Martin, making amazing fucking pilot rigs and teaching rigging courses at summitparachutesystems.com. Wine's getting to me. And me, the fucking pilot at thefuckingpilot.net. You can check out both the books that I've written, the fucking pilot book and the accidental stripper, both available in digital and print, and maybe someday in audio. See ya! Ha, ha, ha.